We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. It is apparently winter outside. Yeah, it is. We've been, we've been getting dumped on, actually. This, this winter is already far more hardcore than the last two have been. Which I'm excited about, because that just means good skiing. I agree. I, I hope mean, so. I we hope haven't so. even been on the mountain yet, True. I'm excited we for skiing. We have a ton of snow, and it's, and it's like serious snow. I, I, I'm not going to try to bore you, honestly, but when you live in a place that gets snow and then has skiing, you get picky about your snow. There's like different <laughs> variations of snow. There's different textures. There's exactly. different qualities. It's it's it's, it's quite like absurd. whiskey. It's like coffee. It is like whiskey and coffee. I will give I you mean, both. I mean, there's of those. there's just, levels. You, you, there you're, are. You're sitting looking at the snow, going, "This is for good for snowballs, but not for skiing or whatever." I mean, California is known for the the wet, heavy snow. They call it the California cement. Mm-hmm. And then there's the champagne powder of Colorado, and we're right in between the two. Yes, we are. It's kind yes, of a nice are. mix. So we, but the reason I bring this up is because yesterday we had a major, major storm, mm-hmm. and we've had a couple of major storms already this year, which is kind of surprising, but I had a major storm. And for whatever reason, it was a slick storm. Yeah, it was one of those where it just, it was just inexplicably just turned. It was very like slippery all the, the time. Yeah. And it wasn't even like that was necessarily icy. It was just whatever was coming down, there was no grip. It and was extra silicone covered. Seriously, it was like crystals. Yeah, it was silicone something. snow. Or so. It was crazy because, and out of that equation, the everyday driver crew did not do well. You stayed home, which was very wise. I was home working. You were home. The whole day. I, I, only I did left, not venture out, actually. I only left for the school run. Chance left to go to work. My wife left for, to run some errands, okay? The oh, three man. of us, all three of us, <laughs> had incidents. My I, wife... I feel terrible about this. My wife was driving at 40 miles an hour in a straight line down the freeway. 40. Okay. Not 80, 40. I thought she was going faster than that. Like 40, 45. Okay. Straight line down the freeway in, in, in like bunched up people because everybody was going slow because of the wow. storm. And all of a sudden, her Cayenne is sliding sideways. Oh, my gosh. Going straight, now drifting into the other lane. Not turned into the other lane, mind you, just drifting into the other lane. And caveat, all of these cars that Todd is talking about all have winter tires on them. And they're all uh, all-wheel drive. Yeah, right. So That's the true. Cayenne had that experience, mm-hmm. and, and good girl, she countered. She countered. Did she? She got off the gas. She <laughs> countersteered, came let back. It, let it come back. But she let was it come just, back. She was straight line, oh my and now gosh. she's sliding. She was like, what on earth is that about? So thank God she didn't hit a wall. Chance went around a roundabout in his uh, winter-tired all-wheel drive 911. Yeah. And it slipped out of the back. And, and also understand so this. I was to see this. This was not Chance hooned a roundabout. This was Chance going from point A to point B and went through a roundabout intersection. I think he was creeping through the roundabout, he just tiptoeing yeah. through. There was no hooning going on. Normal. Slid sideways, mm. curbed a wheel badly. The wheel's going to have to be replaced. Everything else is getting checked out. And then it comes to me. I've already heard both these stories when I go out to the school run yesterday. <laughs> oh, you have? I'd heard both of oh, them. Oh, my gosh. And I'm driving oh. cautiously. My son riding with me. I'm in the Lancer, yeah. which is honestly, in spite of this story, a fantastic winter car. I came... Up over a rise to a on ramp for the freeway, and I'm doing like twenty twenty five. Okay, so I, I'm not. There's, there's no hooning going on. Okay, right, right. I turned the wheel. The car turned a quarter of the way I needed it to, and proceeded to understeer. <laughs> and there was there was no grip at all. I came off the gas. I waited for grip. Just grip did not return. I'm horrified by this. I had that split second of okay, I've got an all wheel drive rally th- rally bread car. It says rally art on the side. Should I put my foot in it? <laughs> And try to scrabble for grip, but then I realized that the in, the intersection, the lane, is narrow enough that even if I spun it sideways, which is what it would have done, 
I was going to hit curb. Now probably with two wheels. Because you were moving that direction already. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it, it wouldn't have, like, snapped suddenly and, and yeah. been perfect. would have still been sliding. Yeah. So I uh, met the curb with my right front wheel mm. and cracked a rim, which is awesome. I'm really excited mm. about this. So that happened. This is all yesterday. So there, there's, there, is, a, there is a lesson here. I'm going to try to land this <laughs> is there, plane. I'm going to try, I'm gonna try to land this plane. Here, here's where okay. I'm going. First off, uh, in spite of all-wheel drive and winter tires, so we have all the right gear in all these scenarios. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's just not your day. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you can't – sometimes just the weather wins. So the takeaway – here's the good takeaway that I'm going to defend <laughs> indefinitely. Drive whatever you want. Okay. Seriously, drive okay. whatever you want with winter tires because if you have a front-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive, whatever car you love in the winter, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that mm-hmm. that guy with all-wheel drive, nobody's bulletproof. No one is. Yeah. Drive what you want in all weather and accept the fact. It's that pay-to-play thing for speeding tickets. Some days you just aren't going to win. And yesterday, apparently, was my day to not win. Oh, man. Yeah, it's it does come down to physics, and everybody thinks I've got a big four by four mm-hmm. or a pickup truck or whatever that is, and it overcomes physics somehow. And here you guys are. Well, you're into relatively small cars, and nine eleven mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. the smallest, mm-hmm. and you're in the Lancer, which is actually a fairly good sized car, but it's still kind of smallish. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then a Cayenne, so it doesn't matter. Those three different size cars, mm-hmm. three different configurations, you know, yeah. drivetrain, everything totally, about them. Totally. And physics still won. <laughs> you can't cheat physics. You yeah. really can't. Yeah. God, that's such a bummer. I'm but, so sorry to hear that. I, I hope that it gets resolved and you can move on. And yeah, just, it will. I mean, look, it's a yikes. bummer. I, I really was very unhappy. My son uh, told me to stop cussing. That was actually what happened. When it, when, it, when it actually happened, he was like, Dad, stop it. You're scaring me. It's not me. like you didn't invent new words. He just heard all the old ones. And he heard, but he heard them out of me. You know, he heard them out of me. My, my, oh, my, wife, my wife is the old sailor joke. You know, she runs into a bar and the sailors come out. That's my wife when yeah, she's right. angry. Right. I, I'm not really that guy most of the time, but I, I know these words. Or it's Packers game. If the Packers are exactly. losing, I, she's that. I, I, I know these words, yeah. and, but my son doesn't hear me like go on a, on a spree very often but yesterday he was like dad stop it dad dad stop oh man so anyway so that happened yeah i was it was a good father day good driver day good father day but all of that to say be careful honestly guys be careful when the weather changes you slow down none of us were that's the other thing about it none of us were hooning holy cow if i had been hooning and i had curbed a couple of wheels that's my own fault you know what i mean yeah true you yeah that that it is, doesn't make uh, it salt okay. in the wound. It doesn't actually. make it okay, but you go, well, that's what you get. This was right. just I'm coming home from the school run, which makes it even more of a bummer. It is for sure, but oh, hey, sorry. you know, life happens. Anyway, how's your car? All of you listening, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah, is there snowing outside where you are? Get some winter tires. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Well, we've got some other news here from uh, actually recent news about the Grand Tour, and I think everybody is waiting for the January 18, 2019 mm-hmm. release of the new season three. Yeah. Coming out, but we've just run into some news that the Grand Tour has been renewed for a season four, but yeah. they are changing yeah, the yeah. format dramatically. So they're getting rid of the in-studio audience with mm-hmm. the tent, mm-hmm. and they're moving towards the big adventure kind of yeah. hour-long styles. Maybe they'll be longer than that, but probably knows, an hour. Yeah. Probably about that, yeah. And so think about the Iceland volcanoes and the, mm-hmm. uh, well, just the North Pole adventure. Drive to the North Pole, drive across, across Botswana. Yeah, yeah. Botswana's in there. They, they've done a lot of those before, and they're actually... Really cool and interesting. Yeah, I mean, they're like actually, season, yeah. you know, you think they're they're a 
pretty good, uh, you know, beating on those guys, I guess, just physically yeah, from an yeah. exhaustion and exertion standpoint, which is <laughs> some of those have also not seemed part fun. of it. It's yeah, not just sure. the cars. So pretty interesting to to hear that they're moving on for season four past yeah. what they've already shot. So season three will be airing January 18th mm-hmm. and then, uh, yeah, moving on to season four with all these adventures. And I wonder, interesting. I wonder, I'm going to, I'm going to call it now. I'm going to call my shot now. I wonder if this is the swan song season. Where Amazon goes, I let's give us that. a bunch of let's give you a bunch of money. Granted, they've already given them a bunch of money. I was gonna say but let's did, give you a bunch more happen? money for the purpose of if you were gonna do, let's say, eight adventure episodes, what are the ultimate adventures you'd like to do? Do just those, no studio audience, huge budget, go do those big adventures and then say goodnight everybody and you're done. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of curious if that's the case. You know, Jeremy's pushing 60. He looks like he's pushing 80, but Jeremy's pushing 60. <laughs> I could see these guys deciding that they're done doing this now. I'm surprised that they re-up for a season four. I thought after season three, they were going to call it. They were going to go out on a nice high note with the last 10 yeah. appearance and say, thank you, everybody. Mm-hmm. Good night on, you know, we're, we're done. Here it is season four, and they just want to keep beating on themselves with adventures. Money does talk. I guess it does. Money does talk. Yeah. I suppose so. So that's interesting. But mm-hmm. we've got a couple of great debates for you guys here. We've got Drew in southwest Missouri area who has had a hipster obsession with a Volvo 240 <laughs> wagon. Well, multiple. But yes. he's also into BMWs and mm-hmm. German cars as well. And then after the break, we have uh, Luis who has a love for bug-eyed cars, yeah, which we have rarely discussed, true, actually. True, true. I'm very curious. Where you, I have a feeling you're going to be inspired on this. I'm hoping I'm so. I, he, he gives a list of things that he's owned, but he's into design, and he's obsessed with these bug-eyed cars, and he yeah, names a bunch yeah, of them. Yeah. So we'll get to that after the break. But we do want to jump into a very long email here from, from Drew. I, uh, I had to summarize. Well, hey, hey, I had Drew. to turn this into some bullet points here. You did, and you did a good job. Hey, hey Drew, um, I don't know how long you listened to the podcast. You listened for a while. Did you hear about the two scroll rule? Because this does not resemble that. It's a good email. It's a very it's an good excellent email, email but, though. Uh, so. That's why we're doing it. But it, but uh, ideally, two scrolls. And I, look, I'll give you guys a freebie. This is not two scrolls on your phone, which is like only like three sure. paragraphs worth. Sure. This is two, two scrolls on your typical scrolls. laptop. Yeah. Just how long? That's about the length we're going for. When it's thousands of words. That's daunting. I'm just saying. Thanks for paragraphs, though, by the way, Drew. That was helpful, too. Yeah, no, no worries. All right, so we're uh, into this bullet point here. I, mm-hmm. I want to go through a little bit of the highlights before we jump into your questions here. He, As I mentioned before, he's had this obsession with Volvo wagons mm-hmm. for a while, and he's still got this old Volvo wagon. He's mm-hmm. still got it. Yep. Okay. Now, he went into this wilderness, as he describes, being satisfied, strangely, by just this wagon. But then... The car disease has reared its head again. Yeah. His wife thinks he should be inoculated. And then he's thinking, all right, what does my car future look like? Mm-hmm. So the Volvo is actually a standalone question over here. Should it, you know, should he hang on to it and actually restore it into a resto mod eventually? Yeah. But the real debate is about the long distance high speed driving that he likes to do. Comfortable, yeah. long distance yeah. cruising. He loves four door sedans, specifically mm-hmm. M5s and M3s. Yeah, That's what sure. he loves. Mm-hmm. And he says he lives out in the Ozarks and they have some amazing back roads. And he gives us a little bit of a background. He said his initial college car was a year 2000 Volkswagen Jetta TDI. It's a manual, four cylinder turbo diesel. And he said, This is more fun than it sounds. I can it, see that. Yeah, I can see the it. manual. Yeah. You know, you're. Squeezing every and, less and the drop TDI's of performance. Got torque. I, I, I get it. It does. I see it. Yeah, it does. So in uh, 05, he swapped that Jetta for a 1987 Volvo 240 wagon while he was still in college. He bought it from a Volvo mechanic, and he said it starred in all his film and video projects. 
at college because apparently <laughs> Volvo wagons were made to be photographed. The, the hero always drove uh, a 240 Volvo wagon. He said, seriously, almost every movie yeah. or commercial uh-huh. has a 240 in it somewhere. Of course it does. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so what he does now is actually film and video production. He's a professional communicator, he says, for city government and a former journalist. So this is what he does now. Mm-hmm. And then he also has a car background with his dad. He said he had a, yeah. a Chevelle that his dad had. He had 400 horsepower in high school. And then, you know, once you become an adult, your horsepower <laughs> diminishes. Got all this horsepower in not high necess- school. Not necessarily, but, but, I, <laughs> but I see your point. But I think, I think once you become <clears throat> older, you start to <laughs> ask the question of how much do I need? Want is a different conversation. I mean, oh, you, yes. you, you, could, you yes. could always want more horsepower. That, that's fun. It starts to make you laugh and the cackle. The wants win in high much, school, though. But how much do I need? How much horsepower is really necessary? Yeah. And it becomes a much smaller number. So let's keep going. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we've got this Volvo sitting there. It's out on the street. Mm-hmm. He says, maybe I can restore it in five or ten years. It could be a rest of mod. But what's currently sitting in the garage is a Honda CRV for his wife. Yeah. Sold the Civic and got her 2013 CRV, mm-hmm. all-wheel drive, and his first BMW. So he's currently driving a 2011 328 X Drive, mm-hmm. which he said he bought in a hurry in January 2017 <laughs> because he was starting his current job. Yeah. yeah he needed yeah. a car, needed it to look good. All right. And, and and he th- look he looked at he looked at the E46 M3 he looked at the E9335 he thought about those but he ultimately wound up with this 328i it was one that made sense for the budget and the time frame of his shopping so he has this but it sounds like this is a made the car disease worse and b made him kind of BMW obsessed yeah no kidding he's he's looking at a long term plan let's say mm-hmm. and there's many people who have written to us and we do this ourselves absolutely and we figure out the long term plan and we think okay if i trade that in there <laughs> this car is going to be from that car company that new one's going to be out it'll be yeah. 2 years used so i could probably get it for this much and so let me you know work the excel spreadsheet numbers and i think that's where i'm going and, and eventually, your spouse says, honey, have you paid the mortgage mm-hmm. this month? Right. That that's also happens in the middle of this. Keep going. All right. So he asks, what should be his next car? Mm-hmm. And it's not a broad question. It's down to two specific BMW models. It's yeah. not just what yeah, should yeah. my next car be. It's going to be a BMW. We know this. That's, that's certainly Unless where he's leaning. Unless we can convince I'm him gonna, otherwise. I'm going to fight you a little bit on that, but, but, I, but I see <laughs> that's where you're leaning. So he's saying, should it be the F10, which is the M5, sixth generation, built from 2011 to 2017? That's just ending. Yeah, just ending. Just ending. Yeah. Should it be that, or should it be the F80 M3, which is the fifth generation mm-hmm. M3, built from 2014 up to May of 2018? So yeah. essentially this year, now the new 3 Series has been introduced. Yeah. The new M3 is forthcoming. But he's looking at both these cars thinking, mm-hmm. uh, can I... Can I afford this for forty-five grand? And he's not even letting me go to fifty. Yeah. But we're also talking about two to three years from now. We're not talking about next month or in three months. He's he's doing the long-term plan. He's like shopping. We're and, down the and, road and digging. Yeah, for sure. And so part of the consideration here is: is the F10, is the M5 a poor choice? And if so, mm-hmm. why? But mm-hmm. should he be concerned about the reliability, the repair cost down the road? Yes. And forty-five thousand, <laughs> despite <Sorry>. his. <laughs> he's, Good night, everybody. Anyway, <laughs> true. Thanks for writing. Forty-five grand. He said this is pushing his anticipated budget, despite what he's thinking about it mm-hmm. as his rise in income, his stature at his job, and he can't go to fifty. Drew is a man who calculates. This is what's going on. There's a lot of th- those figures are flying on the calculator and long-term plans and projections. <laughs> so, There's probably a spreadsheet. Yeah, there is. Oh, I which know. Which is there fine. Is. Which is fine. In addition I, to the email, the long Absolutely. email. Yeah. 
And so throw all that away, everyone. Just throw all that away. Mm -hmm. The big question he's asking us is, am I too poor for M cars? Interesting question. Am I too poor? Can I get 45,000, get the one that I want that he envisions blasting along from city to city, Mm -hmm. high-speed cruising, big sedan for the kids, the family, comfortable, awesome Luxurious. Well, that's the other part of this is there's the discussion in here that this car is going to not necessarily. It's not like they've got it on on the calendar as a date, but this car <laughs> no. is going to coincide. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. He this, might have left that out. Well, but this car is going to coincide with them starting a family. So he's specifically yeah. shopping four door sedans, thinking about family, but still wants a performance sedan. So all of these things are converging at once. <laughs> going to get you pregnant here. We're going to have the baby here. We're going to get well, the car seat here. But you know what? You know what? I will. <laughs> it's on the calendar, baby. I will say one funny thing. <laughs> My wife had a C-section, and yes. the funniest thing about a C-section yes. is it's on the calendar like a lunch date. It's so have funny. child. The good thing, the good thing about that is, you know, Do you all write the, any details all, around that. All the parents could come into town. Nobody's surprised by like the midnight call if it's happening now. No, there's no rush to the hospital like, because, honey, it's on. No, it's like, oh yeah, next Tuesday, one thirty. <laughs> that's happening, right? Got it. Uh huh. Yeah. So it's, I it's, mean, do you add details on to the, the calendar, calendar like entry? You know how you might yeah. add the address and what you're going to be doing, and you know whatever, so you know. Oh, that's right. That's the event. <laughs> and depending upon no. how really uncomfortable the wife is being pregnant it might start start having like exclamation points and balloons because you must get this thing out of me it depends but but i just i always laughed about the fact that we had many many friends who you know had their crazy stories of rushing to the hospital and i almost had the baby in the car and it was like yeah we're going next tuesday at one you know like what that's when this is going to happen you know uh, oh yeah we got to be there in like a half hour we ought to yeah anyway so that's always funny uh so okay so we're shopping M5s, but there's there's a lingering question here. I want to stop and speak on real quick. Okay, that's this Volvo, this 240 wagon. It is. It's sitting out here. It's mentioned in actually here. out on the street. It's, it's an extra question. It's mentioned in here. It is parked on the street, mm-hmm. and it, he's just saying, "Hey, what I'd love to do is eventually like resto mod this and make it a thing." And I just have love for this car. But then he mentions in passing that it's parked outside. And he wouldn't possibly even get to this car and restore it for five to ten years from a now. Decade. This is not a resto mod. This is a rusto mod. You're going to okay. put a, a sticker on there that this is not an abandoned car. Seriously, so your neighbors know. Look, Drew. Drew, I appreciate the fact that you've loved this car and you have history with this car. You need to let it go. If it's literally sitting outside, waiting to eventually be restored. That's not a project. That's a planter. It's just it just sits there. Okay. It's I feel sorry for both you and this car in this mm-hmm, scenario. It's going to sit mm-hmm. there and just essentially rot away until you one day go. Will I have the money and the time? And if you're starting a family, I'll answer that question real quickly. No, you will not have the money or the time in the next five to ten years. I think you need to let this car go, because if you said to me, mm-hmm. I have a pristine extra slot in my garage that this can sit in and it'll be it'll be air conditioning and heated and nicely taken care of and, and it's stored away and I don't need that space and it's fine maybe different you're talking about this car sitting outside and not getting worked on like you've talked about for five to ten years it's time to let it go I'm wondering if Drew's anticipating first driver when they have their planned child and then yes. first driver and then oh it's going to be a restaurant mod and we work on it together it's hard to foresee that because you don't know if they're going to have the same yeah. love for that true. car as you do true true yeah and you're going to pour all your work and time into this thing, which it's going to be really nostalgic, but you're never going to get your money back out of it. 
So you oh. have to weigh what's more important to you. Is it having that Volvo or in another decade, can you go buy one from an auction? I or, agree. I you know, agree. Hey, there's a pristine one or somebody did restore it and mm-hmm. I can just go buy one and I think it's the, the much, itch, it's the much better call. I mean, look, while you could say this is the one I had in college and my kids go to college in it, that's that's a fun little story. The reality of that is is maybe 10% chance of that actually going down. I mean, look, you could even get obsessive here and, and track that VIN number. You could. You sell it. You could. And you, and you tell the owners, Drew, I want to know this. where this goes. You could. You could do that. <laughs> so you know, hey, I'm going to buy this back. If you want, if fine. If you want to. Yeah. But honestly... If you really want a Volvo wagon when your kids are in their teens, by the way, kids that don't exist yet, uh, right. you, you just They're on the calendar one, somewhere. Go buy one then. I, I don't think this car stays. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I'm in agreement. I don't think it's worth the investment because I just – I don't see the th- – there have been Volvo wagons that are really cool rest of mods. Mm-hmm. I admit they're awesome looking. They're great. They're few and far between, and yeah. I just yeah. I don't know. There's no guarantees, of course. I just can't can't really put my finger on anything concrete that says, yeah, that would be a car worth owning and driving, and that's going to be awesome. I see Resto mods happening to so many other kinds of cars than the Volvo wagon, especially the 240. But I'd I'd be more prone to back this if Drew was currently working on this project. This is like I'm going to sit a shell well, over here yeah. until I get around yeah. to it in five to ten years. And I, I don't think that's likely. And by the time you get to that point, what shapes that car in? Mm-hmm. Honestly. Mm-hmm. So I think that goes. And that may be breaking your heart a little bit, Drew. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you a bit. I'm, I'm stretching you out a little bit here. So there's that to start. Okay. Now let's talk about these BMWs. All right. Yeah, he's down to the F10, the M5, or the F80 M3. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So they're pretty new now. They're very yeah, new they're, right now. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And so you're asking, first of all, about reliability and repair costs. Mm-hmm. Well, look at any current BMW from, you know, three years ago right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Any BMW is going to have those issues. But it does sound like you're pretty sold on the looks, the style. It's what sure. you want. Sure, sure. I'm not going to tell you to go away. I'm going to make some other suggestions for yeah, you I here. But I'm not going to tell you to completely go away from that because if that sets your heart on fire, I, sure, great, sure, sure. get yeah, that car. We want you to love it, for sure. You won't know until you own it. Mm. And maybe you'll love it and it'll be the end and, you know, you'll love it forever. Mm. Great. But I'm not going to steer you away from those cars. But my choice out of both of them would be the F10 M5. Really? Interesting. Why is that? Yeah. Because I'm, I'm more M3 of those two, but Are I you? have many other things to talk about. But please tell me Well, more. first of all, for the size. I like it for yeah. the space. Mm-hmm. But for... I like the style actually better slightly than the M3, the I'll, F80. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. A little sure. bit. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking at it just from a perspective of, even though you could argue that it's a more expensive car, more to go wrong, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at it from an engineering standpoint, and this is a flagship car. Not yeah. that the M3 isn't, but this is a flagship okay. car for BMW. Mm-hmm. And I see this as the one that is the, the long-termer. Mm. And I, I just based on your email, based on your descriptions of things, I just see the M5 fitting a little bit better, kind of what you want, the usage out of it. Mm-hmm. It's... I'm not sensing a, I want to go track this. I want to go canyon roading with it. I want to do those kind of things. I'm just sensing big GT car kind of feel. Yeah. And that's yeah, where yeah. the M5 excels. Yes, I it's see all that. highway cruiser, great for family, all that kind of stuff. A lot of power in that thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of power. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Both of them do, yeah. 
but I'm just I'm sensing the M5. I just I think I personally like it a touch better than mm-hmm. the M3 of that while well, the F80, just a yeah. tiny bit. And uh, yeah, just kind of sensing through all your experiences or your descriptions here in your email of, you know, you've got some back roads, but you're what, really what you want to use it for is yeah. not necessarily yeah. that. Okay. Um. All right. I, I see that. I see that. My concern with the current Gem M- M5 that we just come away from is that it and the 7 shared a chassis and honestly shared too much. I feel like they were too close to each other. And as a result, I felt like the 7 wasn't big enough and the 5 was too big. Okay. Okay. And I just I I the other thing going on here, if you're gonna I would lean you M three, but I would say if you want to go M three, what you really want is the competition pack version. Because that's the way the M three should have driven from the yes, factory. It was the band aid they put on. They've totally, actually done totally. that with the brand new generation F ninety M five. They put the competition pack and even at seventeen more horsepower because Yeah. But but the big the big thing st- sentence that stood out here in all of this is Drew's mentioned kind of an obsession with this F10 M5. Mm-hmm. And then he says in passing, never driven it. Huh. Because mm-hmm. I, this is my concern. You have a 2011 3 Series, which if I'm not mistaken, still has BMW's hydraulic steering. Mm-hmm. Then you jump to the generation after, which both this M5 and this M3 are in. And I'm going to paint with really broad strokes for a minute because we've said a lot of nice things about current BMWs, but I'm going to paint with broad strokes for a second. This generation we're just coming out of, if you will, but the, the late teens BMWs is kind of the place where BMW, I feel like, has struggled the most with their dynamics across the board. Mm-hmm. There are standouts, okay. Okay. but but when you think about BMW, the traditional ultimate driving machine, great steering feel, that kind of stuff, they've been the farthest away from that as a brand in this generation we're coming out of, both this M3 and this M5 are in that generation. Sure. I sure. don't know if this car is going to be as fun to drive as you imagine it in your head. And you say you haven't driven this M5, which makes no. me go, hmm, you need to drive some stuff. I have drive homework for you because I think the M3 is the better choice if you can get competition pack. It's slightly smaller than the M5. The M5 is just big. Slightly smaller than the M5. Incredibly capable. Uh, I kind of suspect less to go wrong because there's just less, but but they're both going to be expensive to maintain. They both are. E- either period. way, I mean, we're, Tur- we're turbo it up powerful BMWs. Those are going to be expensive <laughs> yeah. to maintain. Period. Yeah. So I've got other ideas for you, but I I think that generation BMW is not. It's not the best as a driver's car, but it's good for the uh, sawing down miles. So it may be fine. But that I haven't driven, it really stands out for me, Drew, and I'm wondering about other options for you. Yeah, he's got a couple of sentences here in the email that says he's got a couple of delicious curves on his commute route, but he also wants that horsepower sensation again that he hasn't had since the Chevelle. So I'm kind of going... The 240 wagon didn't do it? That's weird. That is kind of weird. weird. I know. But the, the M5 will give you that horsepower sensation. You want that straight, flat line, you know, the three-hour each way kind of freeway trips... I'd be in an M5. I can see but that. But then you I say over here, yeah. well, I've got a you know very little traffic commute with curves on it. Well, I'd say, gee, you know, get the M3. Yeah. How small a car can you actually get away with? Is what I start speaking well, that yeah. discussion. But yeah. Well, he's got the planned kids that are on the calendar. I know. The so kids those, are on the calendar. Those factor in. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. So I, I'm kind of mixed, but I, I sense that you're wanting it more for the comfortable place to be, which is why I'm gravitating towards the M5. I can see that. I can see that, yeah. But again, if that's not the case, and you're more commute, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with you. I'm on the M3. 
we're slicing it very thinly. We are. And I'm going to throw a wild card in the BMW lineup at you real quick. And then I'm going to go into drive homework of things you haven't talked about that I want you to drive. But by wild card in the BMW lineup is, why aren't you looking at the 4 Series Grand Coupe? Mm, yeah. I think in many ways it is the better looking three. Do you? I, I do. Yeah. Not, not all the way there. Really? Not all the way there. See, I, I like I, the M3 better. Okay. I, I really like the look of the Grand Coupe. Okay. And, okay. you know, we, we drove it in 430 form, which is the base engine. You can get and, the 440. Yeah, exactly. But in 430 form, hotness. that'll be well within your budget when you're mm-hmm, shopping. Mm-hmm. And it's surprisingly powerful. You said you want to have 0 to 60 in around the 6 range. Yes, done. And you didn't buy the big boy. So, I, you know, we drove that against the Kia Stinger, which is on my drive homework for you. But we drove that against the King or Kia Stinger, and I think we were both pleasantly surprised by the Grand Coupe, the 430. Yeah, so I, I did just, like I, I'm throwing that like out it. as a wild card in the BMW lineup, but then I want to go many other places. Where did you go? I actually went over here towards Chevelle Land, and I thought, well, okay. if it's muscle car sedan you're looking for, Cadillac makes a CTSV with a lot of horsepower. Thank you. That's on my list. Is it really? Absolutely, yeah. He's got it. You have to go drive it, Drew. You, yeah, you don't leave. He's while while drive you're having a car. conversation about, I'm going to buy an M5. Have you driven the CTS or the CTS V if you can swing it? Have you driven it really? This is an astounding car. This is a huge car. The M5 feels nimble in comparison to this thing, but the Cadillac is know. actually surprising on track. It's it's surprise. It, it's. GM's killing it with dynamics. Because magnetic ride control. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely astounding. Yeah. So yeah, it yeah. hustles. It's big, but it hustles. And then it's just fast. Mm-hmm. It's 650 horsepower, Drew. Yeah. It, it's insane. It's the, it's the Corvette Z06 engine in a sedan. I mean, I'm not bringing up anything Hellcat, but it has that kind of feel and mm-hmm. levels of power with a chassis in a car that drives well and mm-hmm. handles well for the size that it is. And has an, a luxury interior in spite of the Q system. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. But then I've come to something that really struck me at the auto show, and you're not going to be surprised by this, but we're talking two to three years out. Hmm. And you're saying 45 now, but, you know, is that inflation adjusted? <laughs> and is that income adjusted? We're going to get the spreadsheet. You know what's going to happen. It's going to be sent to us. I'm trying to work on the budget because... The Panamera Sport Turismo has grabbed me by the throat and by the eyeballs. They're awesome. I'm in love with this car. They're they're awesome, yeah. Drew, you want a great driving experience, a large car that (laughs) handles well. (laughs) Oh, moly. You're right. That's funny. A Panamera Sport Turismo. Three years from now, yeah. will they be 50? Will they be 55? The base ones probably will be. Maybe not the GTS, which no, is the, the one GTS I want for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're the 120. The, the GTS that we looked at at the LA Auto Show, the brand new one, topped out at 138, I think. That's a lot of money. It's an absurd amount of money. But every yeah. car we're talking about, including those BMWs, they're luxury cars that drop off a cliff mm-hmm. in terms of price. Completely, completely. So yeah. three years from now, yeah. could you just... Be in a Panamera Sport what's Turismo? The, what's the base Panamera? I'm, I'm yeah. wondering. And, and to clarify, the Sport Turismo, you, you have the Panamera, which, of course, was just an ugly duckling when it was first launched. And then they revised the Panamera styling to have the better back end as they try to figure out how to put a 911 back end on a car that isn't the 911. Mm-hmm. So, so they had that revised back end, and that looks much better. But then they've added the Sport Turismo, which is the one that looks like the shooting brake wagon. So when we say Sport Turismo, it's, it, this is not right, a trim right. line of power. This is a body shape, and it is honestly the way the car should have always looked. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. But if you want that Sport Turismo wagon at a discount, Audi makes an RS7. Yes, true. A 
2015, 2016 now, mm-hmm. two or three years from now, they're 58, they're 60 right now, yeah. surprisingly. Yeah. So now they're going to be well, they'll easily be $45,000. Yeah, I hear you. Now, I still think, despite where you mentioned about the BMW handling, mm-hmm. I still think the BMWs will feel and perform better from a handling standpoint. Yeah, I agree with that. Than agree Audi, that. Yeah. although this is also a surprising car and good to benchmark it as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Audi, of course, is all wheel drive, Cadillac is not. You've got to. Actually, just touch on these cars drive stuff. to yeah. either solidify your BMW choice or think, you know what? I've discovered something that actually mm-hmm. appeals to me. Mm-hmm. Maybe that Cadillac, maybe the power in that connects you back to your dad and the Chevelle and the, you know, that kind of muscle car Possibly. straight yeah. line sort yeah. of feel. Maybe it does that. Maybe maybe it doesn't. I'm mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. saying. So these are my my recommendations for you for driving the CTSV, the RS7, and then Keep an eye on the Sport Turismos as people, wow. you know, they wow. come off two or three year lease by then. Okay. okay. Just wondering. Maybe your income will support it. I'd take the Panamera over the BMW personally. I actually think the Panamera is going to be more reliable, even though it might be more expensive when the maintenance uh, intervals come due. But I expect it will be more reliable than the BMWs. Mm-hmm. And they're very fun to drive. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I've got some other drive homework because I thought about, you know, I, I get the sense that, yeah, you're, you're shopping for in the future, but you've also got the itch. So you may be shopping earlier. Feed the think. itch. Yeah, so uh, drive that CTS for sure. Drive that absolutely. You need to drive the Kia Stinger. The GT. Good, good. I think it's going to surprise you across the board. That's my suspicion. Mm-hmm. So yeah. drive the Kia Stinger GT. Like that. It is, in many ways, it is Hyundai Kia does an M5. Kind of, Because yeah. it's a little bigger than the M3. Oh, yeah. So it's oh, it's yeah. like their M5. And it's pushing the 5 Series platform in size. For sure, for sure. And because it's a sister car and it's more M3 in size, drive the Genesis G70. I can't wait to drive this car. Oh, yeah, me too. But but here's the thing. We got in the Genesis G70, and we got in the brand new, beyond the level you're talking about, brand new 3 Series BMW. They were like two booths away from each other. I think we were all more impressed by the Genesis interior. Oh, absolutely. Which is... Absolutely. That's a, but that's a weird sentence. That's a surprising sentence. Uh. We need to allow ourselves so it's not anymore. I agree. No, we I agree. We need to give I ourselves agree. permission to no, not totally let Genesis be, what? Yeah, I totally what agree with you. This? But, but this is where we are. So True. drive the Genesis G70, and then, uh, look, I can't not say it, but if you want what I think you imagine a BMW big sedan to feel like, you need to drive the Chevy SS. Mm. This those is are car, under 45 now. They are, exactly. And this is a car... Rear-wheel drive, magnetic ride control. You can get it in manual, even though you said you're probably going to buy this in auto so your wife can drive it. Yeah, right. But but this is a car. Look, does it have the interior of the rest of them? No, it does not. But it doesn't have a bad interior. No. It's got a very solid interior, okay? This car is just going to run. I, I bet you it'll be the least expensive to, to own, least expensive to buy and own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it is the closest modern equivalent to that beloved E39 M5 that we all go, that's an M5. Yeah. Yeah, you that don't want to throw down for the Cadillac. M5. This is sort of all the, the underpinnings. But the Cadillac. Them, but, without the style and the grace and the. Mm-hmm. But I think you know, the Cadillac, st- even though it, it, it impresses you with how well it can handle, I think it always feels like a big car. I think the oh, SS yeah. shrinks. In the way that that the, we imagine all BMWs do, and they don't all anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That SS, I think, drives like you imagine this BMW to drive, which is why that Chevy SS needs to be on your list. 
and you could just go buy one. You just go get it, and it will run, and it will sure. run for a long time. And I will also say this to you. When you have the kids and they throw the sippy cup or the bowl of Cheerios or whatever it is, you're going to feel a lot better about that happening in the back of your Chevy than the back of your Porsche or your BMW. I'm just saying. That's a great point. So Chevy SS, my friend, and there's a lot of drive homework in here for you, Drew. You've got some time, but you need to drive some big sedans so you can say, I've driven all of these, and here's what I think. And if you come back to that BMW, wonderful. Sure, but you've got to drive great. that stuff. High approval. It's going to be awesome. But there's other stuff, too. Yeah. All right. Thank you for writing. Really appreciate it. We've got a short break, and then we're coming right back. Every car has a share of stories. Your car has stories. Maybe the ding in your bumper from when you had that first date. Maybe the luxury package you got because you thought, I'm going to get the car that matches my promotion. Or you, you saved mileage. You rode your bike all summer. You put less mileage in your car, and you thought, that's going to help the resale value. You can't put a price tag on those stories, but now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car is worth when it's time to sell it or trade it in. Just go to TrueCar. Simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Then you answer a few questions. You have the navigation. You got the moonroof. Or you put high mileage on there. You knew it was going to cost you. Now you can find out just how much. Once you're finished, you'll get your TrueCar cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local TrueCar certified dealer. You can cash out or trade it in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out TrueCar today. True cash offer is not available in all areas. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with GEICO. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it, GEICO could save you 15% or more on car insurance. You're listening to this. Happy Friday. Thanks for being with us. And uh, tomorrow, from when you're listening to this, we're premiering our Corvette film. Yes, we are. I, 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 might, I might be standing up at the screen, like, acting it out. But we're going <laughs> to premiere something. It's going to premiere. And then it will shortly follow on many, many platforms. That will be Amazon to buy Blu-rays. That will also be Amazon for streaming. It will also be on Vimeo for streaming. I'm going to stop here real quick and say this. Some of you have asked us, where do I get the TV seasons? They are on Amazon. They are on Amazon Prime. Now, Amazon Prime Video is their video streaming service. Some of the stuff you have to pay for and some of the stuff is free on Prime. Our seasons are both of the above, depending on the season you're chasing. Right. Season right. four will be coming there eventually. If you are not in the U.S. or the U.K., you will not find them on Amazon. I'm sorry to say that. I don't, even, I don't know why Canada can't get it. I don't either, actually. This bugs me. I agree with you. But but so far, we do not have access to do that. So you will be finding stuff on Vimeo that way. It's the exact same content. It's just available on Vimeo. So I wanted you to know about all of that. If you are watching on yes. Amazon or you are ever around IMDb, we would appreciate your ratings and reviews. That helps the algorithm recommend. So thank you guys for doing the ratings. And if you are doing ratings on Amazon, we would also appreciate if you would rate the specific season you're watching because that it varies. So we would appreciate that as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. No, great point. All right, we're jumping into a debate for Luis, who has a deep love for bug-eyed cars. He is 41. He's in marketing for a well-known beer brand, and he's passionate about, about design. So I am definitely connecting with you here, Luis. And he said, lately I'm obsessed with bug-eyed cars. And he names the Alpha GTV, the 1980s BMW M6. Yes, which I love, 88 M6. Mm -hmm. yeah. Very cool, yeah. 
Rabbit GTI, Datsun 510, Lancia Delta. He said, these cars are very simple, and I love that about them. And so he's looking for this fun car, Mm -hmm. appreciating design, somewhat bug-eyed. Yeah. In the $15,000, maybe $20,000 category, fun to drive. Yeah. And he said, I've been sniffing around the Fiat 500 Abarth. He loves the Italian design over the Fiesta ST. You would like that based on what you're telling us. You well, yeah. Like and he said, yeah. I'd like something different. You know, zero to 60 in the six-second range, fits two adults, two children, so family. Yeah. And he said, is there anything maybe that could be imported to fit this? Anything that is older, reliable, easy to mod? Hmm. Older and reliable, are those in the same sentence together? Do, older, do they belong next Older, to reliable, and easy to mod is not really a combination that exists very often, <laughs> but we'll go with it anyway. pick one and forget the other two? Yeah, exactly. Or, which, <laughs> which do we want? Good, fast, cheap, pick two. Yeah, see, that's exactly where we are. <laughs> well, his past cars are uh, varied, I'll say. Mm-hmm. A couple of Wranglers, BMW Z3, well, another BMW 328i, Volvo C70 Coupe, and an 05 Scion XB. He said, but right now my day-to-day is a corporate car, a 2017 Ford Edge. He said, it's boring, and it's already got a broken flywheel. (laughs) Awesome. Yay! (laughs) So clearly that's not doing it for him, and he's looking for, really what I'm hearing is design. He's willing to go older because this is the fun car. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't start today... Taking the edge. <laughs> yeah. I'll take the newer car. Yeah. Fair point. Or Fair whatever point. the yeah, yeah. next yeah, corporate car will completely. be. Yep. Okay. So I'm thinking about bug-eyed cars, and I'm I'm making a list of things. These are not the cars that I want you to look at. But, of course, anytime anybody says the bug-eye or frog-eye cars, mm-hmm. the Austin Healey Sprite from 1958 to yeah. 1961 comes to mind. Yeah. There's even a website. There's a website called Bug Eye Guy. Dot com who specializes Seriously? in these cars. Of course there is. Of course there is, yeah. But then you have to consider the 71 Volvo 1800E. Kind of cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Caterham Super 7, Lotus Super ooh, 7. Ooh. I mean, these are bug-eyed cars, yeah. I'm not putting the family in either of those, but wow, they're fun. Yeah. Maybe the sidecar. Could those have a sidecar? <laughs> Or trailer, <laughs> a tiny little trailer <laughs> that is the cab again. Imagine this for a second: you've got a caterum, and then you have a cab that you tow that is exactly just the cab and those wheels again. Honey, we're not having any fun back here. <laughs> Family of four <laughs> in the caterum and the trailer. I really like that. That's actually very fun. Hey, don't forget the sixth generation Toyota Celica from '93 to '99. You could actually—I yeah. liked the one prior to that, the fifth gen, but the Bug Eye Celica. But speaking of Bug Eyes. Second generation Subaru Impreza. Oh, interesting. Okay. From 97 yeah, yeah. to 2007 okay. in the U.S., hatchback or sedan, mm-hmm. this is a bug-eyed car that is reliable. Yeah, I can see it. It's kind of older, but from a design perspective, it's not the prettiest car ever. It, it, that, that, that was tactful. Well Wasn't done. That, that, was very, that was very well done, yes. I tiptoed around that. Mm-hmm. However, the three cars I think you need to take a look at are, let's go ahead and check off any 911 that you can get for 20 grand. Mm-hmm. They're considered bug-eye-ish. The 911 SC was on my list. That's the, the 70s to early 80s 911. And, and here's the thing. Of the classic air-cooled 911s, they are kind of, <clears throat> kind of the one that's the deal. <laughs> because the really early ones, Did like you the buy the car, like the '72 and, and before, especially the short wheelbase ones mm-hmm. of the '60s. Mm-hmm. I've gone, I've gone way off into the weeds here, but this was 50 years of 9/11 film. We drank from the fire hose. Yeah, we did. Those early, early ones are worth, frankly, more than they should be. There was, by the way, there was a 356 this past week, which is before the 9/11. Yeah, 356 right. 56 convertible on Bring a Trailer last week that got 300 thousand dollars and didn't 
sell because it didn't meet reserve. What? <laughs> I, 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 okay. I, that it is continues. in the category of I do not get it. But okay. Wow. So, yes. But so you have the end of the very early 911s, but before you get to the 80s when they added the good G50 transmission and all that kind of stuff. Right. That's the right. SC generation. It's this mid 70s, mid 80s generation. And, and you can kind of kind of find deals that maybe the, actually the 911 you find that fits your budget. I just went on a whole Porsche rant. Look at me. Fantastic. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Any 911. I mean, what you're describing is an older, beautiful, bug-eyed car for four people. 911, right? With, yeah, respected design and all that kind of stuff. There it is. Yeah, yeah it, of course. It's got to be on the list for sure. But I am going to say Mini Cooper S, whatever generation suits you best mm, for yeah. that kind of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Family four, they're cool design. They're mm-hmm. just quirky, fun, cool looking. What about a first uh, of the BMW ones? What about the first time they made the Clubman with the half door yeah. and, the, and, the, and, the, and the bread van doors on the back? That's a really interesting bug eyed design that is very unique. They keep doing it now, but it's not, honestly, it's not nearly as interesting as it was in that first version. Yeah, the first. Yeah, that was kind of cool. Yeah. It was. It was just like a limo version of a little, a, little of a bread mini. van thing. Yeah, it was cool. It was very cool. Yeah. yeah, that could be good. Yeah, that could be good. And then this is the car that I think, as being passionate about design, despite the nine eleven, mm-hmm. or also including it, I think you should look at the seventies BMW two thousand two. I had that on my list as well. No kidding. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, I mean, not, a lot of these are not fast cars, but who cares? Uh, exactly. Who cares? Exactly. You've got the edge. You've got the corporate car. Mm-hmm. But the 2002, and it doesn't have to be the turbo. It doesn't have to be the super no, 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 no. nice one. But for 15, 20 grand, you are getting a nice one. You are getting a nice one, yeah. Which yeah, yeah. is probably, it's probably been wrenched on. It's probably been worked on, mm-hmm, restored mm-hmm. a bit. So it's probably going to run just fine. Mm. And I say, get it out. Drive it all summer long. Just drive that thing. Mm. But I like this car. You'll be in a fishbowl because the the proportion door to window height, the sill is <laughs> it's almost equal. Yeah, for sure. The windows are very tall, but it's that's part of the charm. That's part of the quirk. And they're really, really cool, fun to drive, very interesting. And I think that really fits what you're looking for here. So yeah, the the 2002 is on my list. Excellent. I really like that one. That was on my list as well. Uh, I, we talked about the. The SC, I, I really do like the Fiat 500 for you. Some of these are hard to find uh, in your speed requirement, but I think, but I <laughs> well, think as you get back to these older analog cars, I think they're going to feel fast enough that it's not going to matter anymore because they're so involving. True, that 2002 is not fast. It's not, but it's such an involving car to drive, and I think you would love it. Yeah. The uh, the 911 SC, not an overly fast car either, but you're not going to care. No, I would no. also say shop E30 BMWs. Those are good. A little bit yeah. newer than the 2002. Yeah. Got those bug eyes, which is kind of cool. Uh, great chassis. Uh, look, the, the M3 is not going to be anywhere near your budget. It's just not. Bring four times your budget and buy an M3. Yeah, unless but you go for the E36 the E30, generation, but they're not really yeah, just the beautiful. E30 in whatever way you can get it. Not fast, but still a great chassis and very fun. Sure. Uh, I'm going to throw out another random one, though. Okay. That dawns on me as we're talking. What about a 968 Porsche? It's got pop-up bug-eye headlights. It does. just struck me as we're talking. It does. You can get them all day long in your budget. Yeah, that's interesting. Small little back seats. Aren't those they're, that back seats? They're or, tiny. Or are they 2-2? There's tiny 2-2, right? It's not just a two-seat. It's Isn't a 2-plus-2. Two two? Two. Yeah. They're tiny, they're, Well, but so, but they are in the 9-11-2. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. Up until the nine nine one, the generation we're just ending, they never really very big back seats. Problem is yeah. with the 9-6-8, all, all the convertibles are the ones that you find. It's hard to find the coupe. But 
True. If the convertible strikes you, they're yeah. great. They're yeah. really interesting. But I just thought about the fact we've got a pop-up bug-eye headlights in some cases, and you get to the later generation, I mean, still got bug-eyes. Technically speaking, 928s are the full bug-eye thing, true. but, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah, the seats in those are non-existent in the back. <laughs> they, they're there. They Te- exist. Technically, they exist. Yes, you're right. But you wonder, who sits in this? Mm-hmm. But I just thought, you know, that's kind of – I'm in wild card territory mm. there. But 968 would work. I, 928 isn't bad either, actually. But but anyway, if you really want to go down that rabbit trail, because you would enjoy driving those cars. That's yeah, no kidding. And you could wrench on them, and there's parts and all of that kind of stuff. So we're, we're all over the map. <laughs> Reliable? <hopefully, clears> maybe. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah. What do you need it to do? Uh, anyway, Luis, right. hopefully something in there is helpful. Right. It reliably sucks money out of my wallet. <laughs> reliably needs something. Daily basis. Terrible. Awesome. Jump into questions. We've got a ton of them over here. This is this is pretty interesting. I'm looking for a few here. Nick P asks us, why is it you rarely see two companies like Porsche or BMW ever work together on a project to produce amazing enthusiast-based driving machines? Well, Nick would like to see the love child of Porsche and BMW. You know, he's named all the cross collaborations through mm-hmm. the years: Chrysler, Mercedes, Toyota, Subaru, Mazda, Ford, BMW, Toyota. Now. There's a ton of them out there. I think philosophically, Porsche and BMW are opposed. Yeah, from a, I think that's fair. From a founding and from where they're going in the market, they're they're not joined at the hip. They're not it's, competing in a lot of the same markets. It's almost Pepsi and Coke deciding to work together on a drink. Not going to yeah, happen. Yeah, I'm not yeah. really seeing that. I love your enthusiasm. I love you know what you're thinking about, but yeah. they would both say we think we've got that area covered. We know what we're doing well. Yeah. <laughs> We don't need your help. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's an interesting question from Ben here I wanted to go with first for a minute off of Facebook. He said he has a question slash rant. Why is it that uh, car reviewers, and, and we actually have done this as well, why is it that we're, car reviewers talk about how much range suffers on electric cars when they have to tow anything? And he's specifically thinking about the Rivian, which we and others talked about. How they mm-hmm. talked about it being a 400-mile truck but didn't talk about what happens when you tow things. Uh, and, and are normal trucks getting a free pass because obviously their range isn't as good either. Here's the difference, though, Ben. When you have a normal truck, your gas mileage can plummet to single digits, but you can carry gas cans. Yeah, good point. The, the, mm-hmm. the issue, and, and I actually talked about this. If you haven't seen it yet, the first episode of Season 3 of our TV show, we did the Tesla Model 3 versus the Chevy Bolt. And, of course, a big thing about both of those cars is how much range you have on the batteries. And that it now is, you know, it's over, it's between two and 300 miles, depending on how you drive it. And now that is about the range of a normal gas tank. But I went on a little kind of side note there in that episode. I want to bring it up here again, Ben. And that is we've been, we've been kind of conditioned by uh, discussion of the market that range anxiety is a thing. I think that's wrong. It's not range anxiety. Our issue is... We know how long it's going to take to get our range back when the battery's done. Mm-hmm. It's the replenishing. That's the biggest problem that electric cars are facing. And electric trucks, if they, if they go down to single digits when they tow, if, if your 400-mile range is now 100 miles, the problem is at the end of that 100 miles, with current technology, you have hours until you can move again. Mm-hmm. True. If you're stuck True. in the middle of nowhere in your your diesel or your gasoline truck in the middle of nowhere, you can pull out a gas can and you can limp your way further. Your electric car is now out of juice. You're stuck mm-hmm. unless you pull out the Honda generator and you wait a day 
<laughs> okay, so so and the, burn gasoline. Seriously, so the issue the issue is not. I actually don't think the issue has ever been about the range. I think the issue has been about the refill. And once that gets solved, this becomes a non-issue. This question on Instagram from N Bombowski asking, "How long do you realistically keep a car?" He drives a 2011 Mini Cooper S, 105,000 miles on it right now. Well, we know you've got at least another hundred grand out of that, right? For sure, yeah. <laughs> Evan, hey, how's, how's Spot the Mini doing? Yeah, huh? At least. All right, so this has a whole bunch of go fast, turn fast, stop fast parts on it, including a bigger turbo. He drives it daily, has for the last five and a half years, and love he it, loves love it, it to death. Mm-hmm. But he said it's showing its age with the interior rattles. He wants to stretch it out to 200K. No problem. And then convert it over to the full-time track and autocross, autocross car. Okay. Now, on top of that, it is his first car, so there's sentimental value. Is it crazy, or is there a case for endlessly dumping money into a car for all eternity? <laughs> early in my car career, I i mean, I'm talking yeah, early teens, preteens, okay. I read articles. Okay. I mean, I vacuumed up car sure, magazines yeah, yeah. and yeah, yeah. everything related to design. And I read an article about a guy writing, saying, you could theoretically keep your car forever. Mm-hmm. Now, car companies continue to manufacture parts for their cars, not because they need to. Mm. I think, uh, somebody correct me on this, I think it's a federal mandate in the U.S. for at least two years to continue making parts. They it's, long, don't, it's longer than that. It's I don't, longer than that, but but they are. But that's the thing. There is a government requirement that parts there is must a be requirement. For I a thought it was two. It could be seven. It's somewhere in there. But yeah. there is a length of time they're required to continue to make parts after they stop making the car on the assembly line. Yes, correct. After the, that model is out of yes. production. Yes, they continue to do that well past that date because that's just simply good business. Theoretically, yes. It also depends on the model. Mm-hmm. It depends on, you know, if it's a pickup truck. If it's an F-150 pickup truck, well, there's going to be parts for, you know, here to the moon and back. <laughs> Which one do you have, King Ranch? I could get you that, yes. <laughs> We've got endless parts. So theoretically, depending on the car, you could drive it forever, keep replacing parts, keep putting new stuff yeah, on it, yeah, yeah. especially if it's got sentimental value. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for in your case, if you're going to turn this into a track car anyway, why do you care about the rattles? You're going to weld in a roll cage. Fair, fair point. You're going to yeah. do all this stuff to yeah, it. Yeah. It's your first car. Who cares? Keep yeah. driving it. Keep enjoying it. And then move on to something else, something mm-hmm. new for whatever your need is at that point in your life. But we could just, you know, we see old pickup trucks. We see all kinds of old cars and you think, those still exist? I'm not talking 90s and 80s. I'm talking yeah. going way back. And you yeah, think, sure, sure. This is actually pretty good shape for a 30, 40-year-old car. Sure, sure. Okay. It just keeps going. You could. Yeah. It just depends on, do you have the money? Do you have the storage space? Mm-hmm. Do you have the proclivity to keep working on it? Because yeah. where's the hassle? The factor? older yeah. the car gets, the less likely a dealer is going to want to see that car back in the shop. Maybe yeah. an independent repair shop. Yeah. But you've got to start to take on the mechanical abilities and those mm-hmm. kinds of things. So it, it very much depends. But theoretically, you could keep your car forever. Yeah. And the big thing, the only, uh, I love that, the only answer that I actually work with personally that that can make it really practical is once you amortize out, this car cost me this much per count this calendar year. What was that per month? I feel like unless there's a really compelling reason, once your monthly could be the cost of a newer, Mm. better running car, it's time to hop. Now, we have all kinds of conversations about getting new experience. I'm talking just sheerly from a budget perspective, just budget only. When your yearly outgo is the same as if you had a newer car that ran, you may as well go newer. Hmm. 
Interesting. You see Derek's question here. I have to make fun of Derek. I'm sorry, Derek. <laughs> Derek Derek's actually a longtime patron, friend is. of the show. He went on our we first tease, pilgrimage trip. Tease. He said he uh, he drinks coffee in the morning on his travel mug on the way to work, and when he takes a sip, I've never heard this, Derek. When he takes a sip, he turns his head to the side and takes a sip. So if the if something happens and the airbag goes off, the cup is not between him and the airbag. Derek, Derek, <laughs> if you're drinking coffee when the airbag goes off. I don't care where the cup is. It's you and a mug and an explosive device. It's got to be carnage. I don't think turning your head to the sides helped you at all. Well, consider this. If your head's forward, you can see to avoid the accident. If I, your head's to the exactly. side, That's the you're going to actually cause the That's accident. That's the second point. And what? the airbag will go off. How much did you increase your likelihood of a wreck I, because you turned your head to the side? That was the other thing so that was going through my if mind. If you're straightforward, you can drink happily and successfully and safely because you'll see to the... Drink, anyway. drink cold coffee and use a straw. I mean, what, what are we doing here? I think, it, it, honestly, if you are holding Camelback, anything. maybe? Exactly, keeps it warm back there? Get the there. drink dispenser it's like they have for the race cars, but there it's all coffee. But, but here's the thing. It, it, honestly, your airbag is an explosive device. Yeah. Okay? It it's an explosion inside a balloon is essentially what we're talking about. Yeah. Nothing goes nicely when that happens. I don't care how you hold your mug or your phone or whatever. It's carnage. Two questions that relate to each other, both on Facebook. I'm going to start with Andrew Stein, and then I'm going to move to Devin because they were late. Andrew says, have we ever done autocross in the winter? And actually, when I had the Sabru, I went out to something that they called Winter Cross out of our local track here. It was still called Miller Motorsports Park yeah, at right, the time. Yeah, right, right. And it was essentially, uh, it's Utah in the high desert in the winter. They don't really clean the track. It's just the conditions are whatever the conditions are. And they tend to out one lap at a time, and it's coned off. And so it's, it's, it's the reason they call it Winter Cross is it's almost in the middle ground between an actual autocross course. So it's not quite that tight. But you're not really driving the track like you would in the summer either. It's kind of pared down. It was crazy fun. It was crazy it's fun. Cool. It's cool. So I think if you have that opportunity, why not? Because let's be honest, anytime it snows really hard, we're all sliding around in parking lots anyway. I do that on purpose, and then apparently when I'm not trying to, I run into curbs. Side note. But uh, So anyway, I think you should <laughs> At definitely At least you can that. tease yourself. It uh, sucks. I have to. I'm I have sorry. To. Uh, but then Devin asked the question about we talk about tracking a lot. He doesn't feel like we talk about autocross. Mm. Why not? Yeah. Devin, we've talked about autocross a lot. Now, I kind of feel like we have. You and I are more prone to go to the track, and I'll tell you the reason why, Devin, in a second. But the big big conversation that we have a lot and, and many times in our 300-whatever-it-is episodes, uh, like 360 by this point. Anyway, the point Almost. is yeah. the reason that we talk about autocrossing is people that have not ever driven their car at the limit. It is the best, fastest, easy access way to go drive a car at the limit and go, oh, it can handle that much. Or, oh, I had no idea it could do – Fill in the blank. With whatever car you drive, I highly recommend autocross. We're big fans. The reason I prefer going to the track is one simple reason, Devin, and that is I like doing more than one lap at a time mm-hmm. because you can yeah. keep going around and refining right now versus do a lap, stand in line, wait, talk, try to think about your lap the next time, go again. Don't get me wrong. Still very fun. But I like that 20-minute session that lets me go, okay, refine, okay, that corner again. That's why I prefer being on track. Fraser H. asks a question. How do I explain to my family that spirited driving does not mean road rage? <laughs> How do we do this? It's very straightforward. Road rage always involves another person. Oh, that's good. That's You're never really going to get angry at a tree. Excellent point. Yep. Spirited driving can be through traffic, but spirited driving can also be you and the road and nobody else. Mm. But road rage will always involve another driver. That's the catalyst. That's an excellent point. Excellent division there for sure. 
uh, Timmy Shu, I think that's right, on Instagram. <laughs> You've been listening to the podcast. <laughs> He's trying to catch me out here. That's Uh-oh. what the question is. Uh-oh. He said, all right, all right, Todd. If it's important, I talked about this last time. This is one of my rants. If it's important that we as enthusiasts buy new sports cars, would it be better to buy a new sports car and rally safari it Oh, he's or calling you out. just go buy an SUV, CUV. Uh-huh. And I have your answer. <laughs> it's rally. As much as I don't want people rallying sports cars, it's rally the sports car. And here's why. <laughs> oh. Because the auto manufacturer doesn't know or care or decide whether or not they're going to make more based on what you do to the car after you buy it. So from their perspective, we're selling an awful lot of sports cars. The fact that you're turning into a rally disaster is a separate thing that doesn't, they don't care about. They're going to make more sports cars because we bought more sports cars. So if, if we have to make a dividing line, <sighs> let's rally the sports cars. <laughs> but let's just have sports cars be sports cars. Crazy idea. A couple of questions. One from Brian W. asking, what's our favorite music video with cars in it? His new favorite mm. is Vasilodato Doomsday Video, which actually has a hand-drawn Porsche 911 in it. <laughs> but I'm going to say I'm a huge fan of Jamiroquai, and mm. I love the cosmic girl, the, the purple Diablo in yeah. that video. Yeah. It, I mean, I'm taking you back, but it had an F40 in it, F355 mm-hmm. Ferraris. Mm-hmm. I really like those. And then question from Sean W. Asking, why haven't vehicles incorporated magnetic braking into their design or mm. magnetic braking using the eddy current kind of uh, uh, design that are primarily used on the high-speed trains? Oh, sure. I believe it's really just a, a lack of experience. Partially, it's it's weight of these things, but then it's also a, a lack of experience in car manufacturers offering it to the public. They've mm-hmm. kind of figured breaking out, but then now they're going to the regenerative breaking designs yeah. rather than yeah, magnetic yeah. breaking designs. And that's just been by virtue of they have experience with it. They've refined it over the years. Mm-hmm. Nobody's really put that system into good use and then refined it so it is lightweight and then manufacturable, easy for production. That's my initial take on this. Well, then I would also think, as we're talking about it here, I would also think things like unsprung rate weight don't matter on a train. They exactly. A lot on a car. That's exactly. a big issue with a setup like that, I would think. There was a design question I'm having trouble finding, uh, but it was actually somebody asking how to find more design news or podcasts that okay. talk about design. Sure. And it really strikes me because I, I, you know, you and I love talking about this mm-hmm. and I like mm-hmm. to incorporate it based on my background. So if you do want more information, there's not necessarily a lot of podcasts that do, but there's two websites to go to. The first is cardesignnews.com, which is pretty much everything in the car design industry. There's mm-hmm. webinars of software. There's you know, really? discussions of what designers are where, you know, discussions of, you know, various projects. Hmm. And the second one is Auto and Design Magazine, which is an Italian publication out of Turin, Italy. Hmm. It's autodesignmagazine.com. And this is one of the best magazines for incorporating not just car design, but product design too. There's furniture, there's eyewear, there's wow. clothing. I wonder you like that. That sounds cool. There's a lo- and you get to see the sketches and the thinking behind various mm-hmm. cars. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. So... Uh, thank you for writing. I'm I'm looking for your question here. But uh, yeah, if you want more into the car design world, both of those websites are great. Guys, thanks a million for your questions. We really appreciate it. And we're yeah. looking forward to crossing the finish line of the Corvette film. We will definitely it's let you cool. know when it is released wide and available. Sure. We can't wait to share it with you. In the meantime, we're looking forward to next time. Cheers. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, 
Here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with GEICO. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it, GEICO could save you 15% or more on car insurance. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's pretty demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like kind of a pawn in a political game and totally powerless. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is asking President Trump to postpone his January 29th State of the Union address, citing security concerns. But Republicans say this is just politics, shutdown politics, a move intended to keep President Trump off the national stage. Going to prison for 20 years, a Tennessee teacher who took a 15-year-old student and ran for weeks. Prosecutor Dan Cochran. I think it's a serious sentence. 20 years is a significant amount of time. He's going to have all that time to think about what he did, the consequences of it. We asked for 30, obviously, but 20 is a very serious sentence, and we feel good about it. An employee and a customer at an IHOP restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, were killed in a shooting that also injured another employee. I'm Rita Foley.